Hello and welcome to the November DCM podcast. My name is Tom Lanay and Christmas is just over a month away. In fact, by the time you listen to this, it will be less than a month away. And I, I frankly can't believe it. Well, I, I probably can as this realisation dawns on me at about the same time every year. I should have got used to it by now. But anyway, Christmas, a month away, less than a month depressing it's not depressing it's exciting we've got some amazing films coming into the cinemas but this month i am super hyped to be joined by dcm's research and insight manager michael mike tull mike is the man who makes the data interesting at dcm hi mike hi tom you're right yeah i'm fine thanks how are you good not too bad no one ever asked me how i am actually okay thanks (laughs) i feel feel like michael has made an excellent start (laughs) you can come back thanks As well as being a research nerd, Mike is also a fully paid-up film nerd. So after the dynamite research chat that is set to follow this intro, there will be some utterly compelling film chat, so don't miss that. But before we get to why Mike is on the podcast, we need to talk about cinema admissions. It's big news. Admissions up to the end of October were 146.5 million, which is up a whopping 5.1% year-on-year. It is absolutely nailed on that we'll be up at the end of the year too, but the question is by how much? November is is looking like it will be up at least 6% too, so if December is as big as it has been in recent years, we could realistically end on the biggest admissions total since 1971, which I'm sure you would all agree is an amazing achievement and testament to the quality of this year's film slate. I'm I'm genuinely not sure anyone at the start of this year would have predicted that admissions could be record-breaking this year. Would you agree, Mike? Yeah, definitely. I think we knew it was going to be a strong year, but... Not quite as strong as it has been, I think, definitely. And I think it's a lot of it's down to uh, films which have taken people by surprise, like mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody, which has been is closing in on 40 million, Star is Born, which is closing in on 30 million. It's ended up with a really big Q4. But anyway, the other big talking point this week is the Lion King trailer, <laughs> which launched this last night in the US um, it, during the Thanksgiving football break. The feeling in our office has always been that next year The Lion King could be the biggest film of the year. And now we've all seen the trailer. I think that opinion has only been cemented further. Mm-hmm. It looks like a stunner, Mike, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks amazing. Like I've had this debate with some friends about whether you need a Lion King remake because we, we're of the generation who grew up. We were young kids when we watched The Lion King, so you still love the original. But watching that last night, I was like, this looks incredible. Like a, a realisation of just how amazing it looks and the fact that you have a young generation of people who haven't watched the original necessarily don't have the fondness that the older generation have for it as well i think it's just going to capture both audiences and will be a massive hit next year and the in that trailer as soon as they it's it goes i don't actually know what the words are but you just you're in aren't you straight Uh, away yeah it just gets you animation of the animals it looks next level it's going to blow people's minds i think yeah i think that's, the opening scene just looks beautiful just like a real realization of the animation in a way that just taps into what you remember from the original which looks incredible so i think it's gonna be a huge huge hit and we've also recently seen the trailer for toy story 4 well two trailers the first trailer and then the reaction trailer which i actually preferred to the first trailer mm-hmm. yeah. which is out just four weeks before the lion king next summer that is going to be a sensational summer, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's one of those other films that the whole series is something that a whole generation of people have grew up watching and loving and can't wait for the next one. We did, as part of the research, we asked people about 
what films they're most excited about. And it was Toy Story 4 that came out consistently as the one that the people were most excited about. So I think there's a real buzz around that title, definitely. I think of the big films next year, it is the film I'm most looking forward to. And that second reaction trailer, because the first trailer was just an, an, a, a reminder yeah, the, of a the characters. Of, yeah. And then the second trailer was an introduction to two brand new characters voiced by Key and Peele. Yeah. And it's very funny. Very, and very I funny. can't wait to see the film in its entirety, mm-hmm. which is out. It's out on the 21st of June. And then The Lion King is 19th of July. Now, on to the real reason Mike is here on the podcast. Over the last few years, Mike has worked on a research piece we've produced entitled Building Box Office Brands. The fourth iteration is something of a spin-off entitled Mission 1634 Launch Land Impact. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of building box office brands, Michael? Yeah, so across the last three years, we've worked on this program with uh, Kantar Mira-Brown and Bench Marketing, who are two very well-established research agencies in the industry. The aim of this project was essentially to help advertisers and agencies better understand the role that cinema was playing within the broader media mix, and then particularly with a focus on the AV mix as well, um, and the value that it can add to plans um, and what advertisers were missing out on if they didn't have cinema in the mix. So that's been something we've been working across the last three years, publishing new numbers every year, um, very effectiveness led project. And then this year, we'd like to kind of spin that off, having built up that database and that data bank of of um, effectiveness insight that's helped kind of create the foundation to the way that we sell cinema over the last three years. Can you just take us through what each iteration of building box office brands has f- focused on so far? Yeah, so the first volume um, back in 2015 was looking at cinema within the wider media mix, so looking across the spectrum of channels that advertisers can buy into, looking at the impact that cinema delivered across metrics like awareness, brand love, brand difference and consideration, so all the crucial things that brands need to achieve to grow in today's market, and just demonstrating that cinema actually delivers significant impact per person, and in most cases often higher than other channels, and just putting cinema in that conversation as a brand building channel that advertisers should be using more frequently than they currently were. The new version is called Mission 1634 Launch Land Impact. That's a punchy title. We're focusing on 1634s. Why have we chosen this audience? So I think it's something that we've seen. There was a piece of research by Cantar Mirror Brown that came out in 2017, which they basically spoke to consumers in the UK and asked them about which advertising formats they were most positive towards. And actually for the 16 to 34 audience, cinema came out top across um, that generation, which we felt was a really strong story for us as an independent agency, but it was their research and just happened to show that cinema came out strongly. So we we wanted to understand kind of why that is the case and why are people so open and positive towards cinema advertising. And we know from our own work that cinema delivers great impact, but actually at a time where this audience are traditionally talked about within the media industry as being an audience that's quite hard to reach or, or definitely hard to engage with, actually what's the role of cinema in terms of its value for this audience and what does that mean for advertisers when they're trying to actually communicate messaging and enact change amongst that audience as well. So how did we go about doing the research? So this year we worked with an agency called Differentology, who are an independent insight and strategy consultancy who we've worked with for the last few years. Um, we decided to take a kind of a mixed methodology approach to the project this year. So that's a mixture of qualitative and quantitative methods. That essentially means that we spent about five days um, engaging with 15 people at age 16 to 34 across the country in Birmingham, London, Manchester and Edinburgh. We basically asked them to 
to fill in on, an, fill in an online diary that basically captured all their AV kind of consumption across a fi- this five day period. So when they were watching TV, what they were watching, who they were watching it with, if they went to the cinema, what film they watched, and what clips they were watching on YouTube. And that allowed us to basically create a sense of what they were watching, the roles that different media were playing. And then we took, after that five-day period, we took six of those participants to a cinema, invited them to bring a friend along as well, and then they watched an ad reel in situ uh, in cinema, like you would normally uh, see before you go to see a film. And then we did a focus group with those 12 respondents to basically dig into the cinema experience, understand what it is that they get and enjoy from the cinema experience and the implications of that from an advertising perspective as well. And then to kind of quantify um, all the kind of themes that we'd seen coming through from these first two stages, we did a survey, an online survey um, that went out to a thousand representative 1634s across the country to basically quantify and see whether the themes we'd uh, seen in the qualitative phase of the research whether these were things that actually happened across the broad spectrum of 1634s in the country as well to get a real sense of actually what is happening with this audience and what's the value of cinema to them as well so it's quite comprehensive yeah definitely it's trying to get a sense of the kind of both the why and then kind of put some numbers on actually what does this mean in terms of their behaviors but also in terms from uh, importantly for us in terms of an advertising perspective what's the value of all that for brands as well so looking at the findings, what did we find out about the 1634 audience and their AV habits? So one of the things that kind of came through really strongly is that this audience is traditionally talked about as being quite hard to reach. But actually, the reality is, from an advertising point of view, you can actually reach this audience in a variety of different ways. There are a lot of platforms where you can reach them. But the really hard thing is actually engaging with this audience. We found that kind of one of the headline stats from the research is that 71% of 1634s in the UK actually feel hounded by advertising, which is obviously a real challenge for advertisers when they're trying to actually, this is a really commercially attractive audience. They're trying to engage with them and actually get them to feel something about them their brand and it's a real challenge when they're increasingly feeling like they're being hounded by advertising rather than it being something they're actually engaging with and enjoying and we found that actually whilst there are a lot of moments in daily life where people are consuming av content across tv online on video on demand services and on social media actually the reality is that people don't necessarily uh, aren't in the right mindset to uh, enjoy advertising and don't necessarily want it in those spaces and that cinema has a very unique role in terms of it's very different to other av channels in terms of what it delivers for audiences we kind of found in the research, both in the focus groups and in the online survey, that cinema is very much about a shared experience. It's something that people give their kind of really high attention to. And it's um, the AV platform that's kind of most associated with quality content. You know, whereas a lot of other AV channels are about kind of just filling time generally and about being sort of in the sense of live TV, being a sort of comfort blanket of just watching things in the background or in the case of YouTube being a very sort of temporary distraction, cinema has a very really defined unique role in terms of how people actually view um, the content and that makes it very different from anything else that as a viewer you experience but also as an advertiser you can tap into in terms of uh, the different environments in which you can land your messaging. So you said cinema plays a unique role, what is that role? The benefit for advertisers in terms of the role that it can play on AV schedules is that it's not just that people perceive the cinema environment and the experience to be premium and trustworthy. 
is that that actually transfers onto the advertising in that space as well. And we asked the 16 to 34s about where does advertising make you feel better um, and have a better impression of the brand as a result. And cinema came out top um, just ahead of TV in that case as well and well ahead of channels like YouTube and social media um, in terms of actually being the place to best change opinions and feeling about brands as well. So that's the real benefit for advertisers is that you can take advantage of the attributes that cinema has in terms of how people perceive that experience and that it transfers onto your brands as well and we asked differentology who've worked with us to measure some campaigns as well in terms of the impact that actually it's not just the perceptions of, of cinema this actually pays off in actual campaigns as well and by looking back at 12 campaigns that uh, differentology have measured in the last two years we found that cinema delivers this really um, massive uplift in terms of leaving people with a better impression of the brand and also being the best place to land key messaging as well, both the kind of rational messaging and the both and the emotional messaging that you may think cinema is great at in terms of those emotional connections about getting people to love or feel passionate towards brands. But it's also really strong in terms of the more rational led messaging. So kind of the, the functional things about value for money or being perceived as quality or having locations that are convenient for people. It's those kind of more rational messaging which are also really strong to land um, in cinema as a result of the the mindset that people are in they're far more engaged open to advertising in that environment and just far more willing to actually watch an advert and understand what an advertiser is trying to get across to them as well so what does this all mean for brands and advertisers i think for us the kind of the key takeaway we want for advertisers to take away from the research is the ability of cinema to actually properly tell a story and actually really land messages with um with audiences and the value of cinema isn't just um as some advertisers have used it previously, just as uh, a couple of percent of incremental reach at the end of a campaign, in addition to other channels, but actually a really pivotal media to be using at launch. So not just for brand or product launches, but for just for a general campaign launch that actually if you're trying to get people to watch your ads, cinema really is the best space for that. You know, we found as part of the research that people are far more willing, this audience of 16 to 34s who are generally in other aspects of their life trying to minimize the advertising experience when you think about the way they're watching online. And we know that two in five install ad blockers. And there are a lot of this audience who subscribe to things like Spotify Premium and Netflix where you don't have advertising. Now, in most walks of life, they're trying to minimize that experience. But in cinema, advertising is very much part of the cinema journey. It's just an accepted part that they actually enjoy, engage and talk about. And there's real value for that uh, for advertisers when you're launching a campaign. You want people to actually be watching your ads in full, paying attention, talking about your advertising as well. And there's a real benefit to that to them when they see ads later on on social media channels or on YouTube that are short reminders, you actually understand it more because you've seen it properly in cinema. And ultimately we know that from the work we've done both with Differentology and previously with Cantar Mirror Brown that campaigns just work harder as a result of having cinema in the mix. We know that cinema can shift these brand metrics that help brands grow within the market and that those campaigns with cinema in the mix, you know, there's a 58% uplift in a campaign's brand building contribution when cinema's in the mix versus campaigns that don't include cinema based on Cantor Mirror Brand's European data bank of um, a very robust sample of campaigns. So we know that cinema really has an amplifying effect in terms of it, uh, brand building for advertisers, which is really crucial in today's market. Was there anything that particularly surprised you about the findings? 
one of the things we know about this audience is that they're very tech savvy and two in five have ad blockers. We know a lot of them are subscribing to these different services. And actually the reality is they're trying to control as much of the experience as possible. But in cinema, they kind of really enjoy actually not being in control of the experience. People talked about cinema um, and the experience as being in a bubble. We found that actually when people think about it, you don't really put your phone away for two to three hours very often. You're always connected in some sense, either at work via emails or out of work on WhatsApp and things like that. Actually, the reality of putting your phone away and not looking at it for two to three hours is such a foreign concept for a lot of this young audience. Actually, cinema is really valuable at a time when actually the vast majority of this audience are actually very aware that they're spending too much time connected on their phones and they're looking for chances to deconnect the whole trend of digital detoxes and the kind of uptake in mindfulness and stuff kind of demonstrates the point that people are looking to find these escapes from being connected and I think cinema plays a really important role in terms of broader society in terms of what it delivers for people in terms of that escapism and and proper disconnection um, which I think really came through strongly and and I think the surprising thing was that actually those people who generally are trying to avoid advertising as much as possible actually see cinema advertising as part of the experience and they actually engage and talk about the advertising in cinema whereas elsewhere they're trying to block it and minimize it or eradicate it at worst which I think is really valuable for advertisers this is the hardest audience to reach so those people actively trying to avoid you and in cinema people are just far more open and positive towards the advertising in that space which i think is really valuable um in 2019 2018 2019 uh, if i'm playing devil's advocate and say i've see, read the research uh, which i haven't uh, <laughs> thanks john yeah no i have <laughs> um and I, and well we're cinema we're obviously going to be um producing a piece of research that um shouts about the benefit of cinema uh, what would you say to that I think one of the challenges with media owner research is that always there's a lot of media owners going out talking about their own channel and kind of amping up what makes their channel special. I think for us, what we always try and do at DCM is that our pieces are very much about the AV market. Generally, it's about looking at cinema, but within the whole kind of wider scope of things. And there's other research coming out recently. Uh, Thinkbox have done a project recently around the role of television and online video. And actually, the findings in terms of those sort of channels, what we found mirrors what they found as well. So There isn't anything in our research that I think jars against what people's perceptions of the channel are. It just really helps from our point of view, actually, put some numbers behind and bring together the story that we've been telling in terms of the value of cinema as well. And I think also when you talk to this audience, you really kind of just get a sense that they really enjoy cinema. It's it's an experience that really kind of separates it from the rest of the AV channels in terms of what it delivers, both as a viewer and also as an an advertiser as well. And I think that's not, not something that... Um, hasn't been found elsewhere and I don't think there's anything in here that people could really argue with in terms of the role that cinema plays for this audience and because this audience is growing as well we know that it's going to be even the the value of reaching a young audience in cinema is going to only get stronger in the next couple of years with the film set that we've got coming up. Thanks Mike it's I mean as you said it's it's a comprehensive piece of research Uh, if anyone wants to read it they can contact us and get a copy. They can indeed, and it's also available. Uh, the press release is also on the website currently as well. So let's talk films. Now, I will let you into a, a, a secret. Mike is an avid cinema guy. <laughs> probably going twice a week. That's fair, isn't it? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes maybe, maybe even more. But he has a very, very strict rating system, <laughs> which uh, you, if you want to follow him on Letterboxd, you can see. <laughs> but um, what have been the best rated films for you this year? Um, I think the best rated ones, so... The ones that have hit a 4.5, which is the ultimate maximum that so a film will ever... So essentially five There's stars. no fives, Tom. There's no fives. Um, uh, a Quiet Place is probably, if I was to pick just one film, is probably the one that I think 
that I still think about the most in terms of the experience of going to watch it as kind of like the favourite of the year. Very good film. Yeah, just really good. I think it's just really kind of summed up what you get from actually going to the cinema to watch a film, like the actual experience of watching something. And just, I had food to eat, but I just didn't eat it because the film is naturally so quiet that you just feel like you don't want to interrupt anyone else's experience of that. And that sort of, the the communal sort of shared experience of watching something in utter silence and just being captivated by something was was just excellent and kind of resonated with me still months on. Um, I was also a big fan of Mission Impossible uh, Fallout this summer as well. Just the trailer was one of the best trailers I think we've had this year um, and the film kind of delivered on the pace and the action that the trailer kind of set up and was just one of the most enjoyable films that I've watched at the cinema. Um, And then probably slightly more niche um, in terms of the size of the film that I've seen recently was Blind Spotting just something that a couple of weeks on from watching it I just still think about some of the scenes within it and stuff and, the, and just how different it is to anything that I've seen in recent months in terms of the way the story was told and the structure and stuff was just really interesting so that's they're probably the three films that currently I think have resonated with me most across I, the year. I haven't seen Blind Spotting yet and it really annoys me because I w- really want to see it but um yeah uh, it's excellent I think it's just a really interesting it's telling a story which I think is something that a lot of films are beginning to touch on the sort of um, race issues in America, sort of police brutality and stuff, but just through a really interesting lens and using music and hip hop music in particular to sort of tell a really interesting story. And there's a scene that the story sort of culminates in, which is just probably one of the most powerful things that I've watched probably in probably this year in terms of just when I was watching, it, I was just so tense in terms of where the story was going and, and how they were doing it. So it's definitely one to watch um, when you can. I need to see that one. So we're approaching the end of the year. What are you looking forward to between now and January the 1st or December 31st um, I think the one I'm most looking forward to probably is Creed 2 I was a big fan of the first Creed film even though I'd never seen a Rocky film before going to see mm-hmm. Creed um, which I feel bad for admitting but I just loved it I thought it was really great just really um, really fun watch great performances all around so I'm intrigued to see what they do for the sequel and it's an amazing cast they've got so I'm intrigued to see how they follow that up as well can't wait to see that i genuinely can't wait i loved creed yeah and it's, it's no surprise that everyone involved in creed has gone on to big things so oh yeah definitely Google, the cast Michael is amazing Jordan, tessa thompson tessa thompson sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yes <laughs> that little known actor yeah. um so yeah, that's probably the one i'm looking forward to most i'm also looking forward to uh sorry to bother you as well yeah. um which i think i try to avoid seeing anything about because i read on twitter months ago from an american journalist to not, to not see anything and then i saw the trailer the other day at the cinema but i was kind of trying to, only to half watch just because to get a sense of what it's about but it looks really interesting yeah um december 7th so i Can't think wait for that one boots just, riley yeah with tessa thompson and again tessa thompson yeah again. she's appearing everywhere but um just looks really interesting and very cool so i'm looking forward to seeing that and then i think just from a feel-good perspective as well just i enjoyed um wreck it ralph so just seeing what they do with the sequel as well in yeah. terms of bringing in those other disney properties and i'm sure that'd be entertaining and given the buzz about it this week uh, Mary Poppins Returns as well which obviously got screened um, for American critics and everyone's been raving about that on Twitter that apparently I've seen, Emily so. Blunt is a major Oscar contender for best actress as Mary Poppins I know it's amazing I think she's probably my favourite actress at the moment probably in terms of what she, the she's range amazing. of roles she does I think she's um, fantastic so I'm whilst I'm not necessarily one for musicals uh, I think it's just something that's going to make you feel good and you want that at Christmas time so. and worth highlighting that Julie Andrews won an Oscar for playing Mary Poppins in 1964 definitely it's so. a very competitive best actress race this, best actress race this year so it'll be intriguing to see how that goes so in moving February. into 2019 we've obviously got award season but there's also some other films out uh, that aren't vying for awards in January February what are you most looking forward to I was a big fan of Split when that came out um, I'm quite a, I quite enjoy the horror, horror thriller genre so actually I didn't um, 
just kind of watched that last Christmas randomly um, on demand and just really enjoyed it. Um, James McAvoy was brilliant and it's a really interesting concept. And so when it sort of was, was revealed that it's all part of this wider universe, I have seen Unbreakable, but don't really remember anything about it from years ago. So it's just intriguing. I probably need to rewatch Unbreakable actually before it comes out to get a reminder of what that was about. But to see it all coming together with that cast and I think the trailer looks really strong for that as well. So that's probably one I'm looking forward to in January particularly. I'm surprised Unbreakable hasn't come on Netflix actually. That's true. Yeah, because yeah, I actually would like to rewatch. Yeah, it like ahead a, of watching a refresher definitely because it does look good. And um, what are your big tips for awards season? Because you, I, I, I'll let this <laughs> into a secret. You are I'm a big nerdy. awards. Uh, yeah, I love follower. it. Yeah, I was trying. Any film that gets nominated for Oscars or like an acting performance, I'll try and see in the cinema. So I'll try across the year to see as much as possible and then catch up in Jan, Feb, time if I can. But um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Vice. I think we showed the trailer up front this week and just got a really good reaction from the crowd. I think it's just a great trailer and sort of political dramas. Are sort of this, I love those and sort Christian of things Bale as well. Dick looks yeah, it looks great and just a really good cast overall. Um, I'm also looking forward to... I saw um, The Favourite at the film festival um, a couple of weeks ago and that was excellent as well so I recommend that to people as well and I know one of your favourites that you mentioned on the podcast um, last month was Destroyer I'm looking forward to seeing that as well and the performance from Nicole Kidman as well yep she is absolutely sensational in that I think it's a really strong award season mm -hmm. you've yeah, already definitely. mentioned Favourite and Vice but Mary Queen of Scots is getting great reviews yeah that's now. true it's, yeah. Pre it's premiered uh, If Beals Took a Talk is as good as anything I've seen this year yeah I'm looking forward to that one a lot I loved Moonlight and um, I think I mentioned to you the other day that I saw Stephen James in Homecoming and the Amazon drama and he was excellent in that so I'm sure he's going to be brilliant is that the in, um, yes yeah it is so um, he's, I'm sure he'll be excellent if in uh, Bill Street too so that's one I'm looking forward to a lot and for the rest of the year what are you looking forward to um, yeah the site is just incredible for 2019 um, the films you talked about Lion King Toy Story Aladdin they're all sort of like defining moments from my childhood like growing up so it's kind of weird that they've come around to being nostalgic things that are getting sort of rebooted and remade so that just happens more, and more. I know <laughs> I'm getting older um, uh, probably also um as someone who's been to see, I think I've seen every Marvel film they've made. So I'm not someone that grew up reading comic books, but just became hooked on the movie. So I think I'm just interested in seeing Captain Marvel. I'm a big Brie Larson fan. So just it was great to see her get a role of that stature. And then Avengers, whatever that film may be titled, um, in April, seeing how they kind of culminate that whole story how and stuff as well. How do they... Um, how do they resuscitate them all um, it's, it will be a big moment and something that, I'll, that I imagine will kind of whip everyone up into a frenzy and then towards the end of the year as well um, I was as a kind of a horror fan big fan of it as well so just seeing the sequel and how well casted that's been as well just um, excites me amazing yeah like Jessica Chastain and James McAvoy um, Bill Hader and stuff it's just a really kind of spot on casting of taking those young kids and actually finding adults who just look really similar and have the right sensibility about them as well so I'm intrigued to see as someone who hasn't read the book where the story goes and what happens with um, that group of people as well so some good choices I actually am into all of those films and we'll be definitely watching them but it all adds up for a pretty Exciting yeah. finish to this year and mm. a great uh, year next year. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for joining me, Michael. That's right. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'll be back next month with a roundup of 2018 and looking ahead to 2019. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast via your chosen podcast app. Michael, what's your chosen podcast app? Acast. Acast. Okay. Interesting choice. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll, thanks for listening and I'll be back next month. Bye. Bye.